0: I'd just like to thank my new friends at the Lynx Lodge for helping me understand all this. And it's possible. It's possible to touch the sublime. Like today, I saw a vision of my dad in a scummy pool, and then I pulled a dead rat out of a pipe, and then it came back to life. Yeah, you know? And, you know, maybe there was an air pocket in there or something, or whatever. But either way, I ended up with a heart on <laughs> Tell us of the elements and all things shared I am-
1: and welcome to Pod 49, the Lodge 49 fan discussion show uh, about our beloved but lost show. Uh, You're, of course, uh, listening to our season one rewatch. We never did episodes per season one because we kind of started in season two. So we're going back and we're correcting the historical record. Uh, We always like to have extra special guests. And joining Jim and I today is Alice, a.k.a. Celia Au, Welcome to Pod 49, Celia.
2: Thank you for having me, guys.
1: Awesome. Well, let me, we just start off. We'd love to hear, you know, how you ended up on Lodge 49 and a little bit about what the experience was like.
2: Well, like every actor, I auditioned for the show. Um, and then, you know, we I gone through like, I think, one or two rounds of callbacks. And the next thing I got was, here's a plane ticket. Time to go down to Atlanta. So... Um, went down to Atlanta and everyone is so nice on the show. Like I think like working on a show is of course fun, but then when you have everyone that's like very tight, everyone that's like very nice, everyone's like, oh, hey, let's go out and eat. Let's do this, let's do that. Like, you know, it just creates a different dynamic and everyone just like look forward to going to work. We were also sad when season two ended, like they were like, oh, we don't get season three. And we're like, oh, we don't get to eat again. (laughs)
1: yeah before we hit record you're telling us a little bit about the uh the lodge 49 uh meal posse tell us a little bit about who your who your uh food crew was
2: well originally so sam and i were i think sam was the first person i met on set uh first cast member so we exchanged contact and we were i was like oh man sam i'm hungry he was like yo let's go eat so then, our our food posse grew. It was like Sam and I first, and then um, Long, who plays my dad. So Sam and I and Long, and then Joe. So Sam and I and Joe and Long, and then um, Gloria. And then like throughout, like you know, the show we have other people joining us depending, like you know, who's shooting when, and they'll come into town. Like Daniel has joined us, um, and uh, oh my god, I'm like forgetting people's. I'm getting mixed up people's like character names and like. <laughs> yeah. Like we'll just all join in and like season 2 we'll be like, yo, I'm in a hotel eating downstairs. They're like coming. So everyone will come down and join for like lunch and dinner and stuff like that. No, breakfast and dinner. Usually.
1: Feels like maybe that was the inspiration for the uh, dumpling eating contest in season two at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so most I'm assuming most of that eating was in Atlanta. So, you know, what, what were some of your, you know, we give a little bit of travelogue tips here with Celia. If you're in Atlanta, where should you eat?
2: Well, I love. I love. Like we stayed season one. We stayed in Midtown, Atlanta, and there was this place. You know, this is like post-pandemic. I'm not sure if any of these places are still open, but there was the daiquiri that has like all oh, you can eat crab legs Monday night. So that was like our go-to thing. We're like, wait, it's Monday, Monday crab legs. Let's go. <laughs> and then um, we love like you know um, Sam uh, Paul, uh, Sam uh, Long and I goes like we went to like Mary Max. And we got like fried chicken there, the chicken pot pies I love. And then we go to Palm City Market a lot. So there's a ramen joint in Palm City Market that um, we always go out to. And then I think Sonia, when Sonia was like, yo, before like, you know, the episode that we have this like uh, banter, let's go out, eat, let's hang out. I'm like, cool. So we went and got ramen. Yeah. So like that area is just so much fun. I miss Atlanta.
1: I'm hungry for all of those things now.
2: <laughs> yeah, food. There was like one night we went like food, ho- it was like, I want to say it's like 10 p.m., 10, 11 p.m. Like things are closing. I was starving. And I was like, Sam, I'm starving. And Sam goes, okay, but like, I'm trying to cut down on carbs. So what can we get that's non-carb? So we like went literally restaurant hopping and trying to find the right food that we like. And we just ate a shit ton. Oops, excuse, <laughs> me, excuse <laughs> totally my allowed. Totally yeah, allowed, totally allowed. It's a yeah.
1: podcast, there's no rules. Um, <laughs> Well, that, that sounds totally fun. So I know everyone's sad about Lodge uh, being over and uh, not getting all of the conclusions to your storylines. But can you tell us a little bit about do we have any do you have anything coming out you that you're working on? What are uh, what have you been doing since the Lodge closed?
2: Well, In between season one of season two of Lodge 49, I did another show called Wool Assassins that's on Netflix right now, Um after that, I did a movie. I actually have a movie coming out. It's called Shoplifters of the World. It's an indie film. Play a very, very different character in it. So uh, if you guys can even recognize me, that'll be interesting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and aside from that, like I just got news today, like, you know, a film that I helped my friend on um, called Snakeheads coming out in Santa Brava Film Festival. Um, I have another film that's almost done. It's called Black Dragon, where it's like a a war. It's a short film, like a war, a film set in like Vietnam during the Vietnam War. And then I play this Vietnamese girl that they kidnapped and ends up turning into a dragon, hunting them all down. So. Wow. That was fun. <laughs> that was really interesting.
1: Uh Well, it sounds like you've been pretty busy even through some of the pandemic.
2: I mean, the whole year, I just basically sat at home doing that. I did nothing. I was like, come on. I feel like so unproductive. I'm like, let me do something. Um, but you know what? Like having Zoom and being able to talk to people helps a lot. Like before the pandemic, I was supposed to be shooting a bunch of stuff and everything got canceled, of course. And we did some like Zoom, table read. Um, still don't know when any of these projects are going to go. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, now,
1: Jim, Jim, you did, doing a little bit of uh, research, you've discovered that Celia has something in common with you, I, and our uh, co-host Bart. Well, we all live in Brooklyn. I heard you
3: are from here.
2: Yeah, I'm actually, right. yeah, I live in Brooklyn.
3: Where, what, uh, <laughs> what neighborhood, if you want to say?
2: I live in South Brooklyn. How, where in Brooklyn do you guys live?
3: I'm in um, Prospect Heights.
2: Okay. How about you, Chris? Bart,
1: Bart and I are in, uh, well, I actually lost, lost, my, lost my apartment recently, but now I'm in the Catskills temporarily. But uh, we were in Park Slope, and I know Bart's moving to, I think, Sunset Park.
2: Okay, I'm further than you guys. I'm further south.
1: Okay. Have you ever eaten? Uh, I'll rep I'll rep him because he couldn't be here today. But have you ever eaten at Sidecar?
2: Sidecar? Where is it? No. It's about 17th Street and 5th S- Avenue.
1: Yeah.
2: 17th 16th. and 5th. They have I'm great fried been- chicken.
1: You, made, you mentioned fried chicken. They're known for their fried chicken. But that's the restaurant by our third co-host. He, uh, co-host. he owns that restaurant.
2: Okay, I got to go check it out. Yeah, I when, the, when the world cool.
1: comes back online, we, you know, we'll we'll host you for uh, an evening of fried chicken at Sidecar.
2: Oh, my God. Yeah. When Sam was in New York, he stayed with me and we just ate our way through, like, Bensonhurst and, like, you know, Sunset Heart. Right. Nice. We were just food hopping. He was like, yay! <laughs> Sam called me his uh, food buddy, so we're always, like, talking <laughs> about food. And when I'm in L.A., I'm just like, I'm in town. He goes, food? Food. Okay, food. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what, what did he most want to say? What New York cuisine did he most want to uh, sample while he was here?
2: He wanted pizza. So we definitely got pizza. I show him my neighborhood spot that I love. And then he also did we get halal? We did get halal from fi, uh, from um, the Rockefeller Center. Yeah, I, I haven't s- been outside for so long that I don't even remember names of restaurants anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, right? <laughs> <on?"> <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump into our recap
1: of uh, episode three. Uh, Jim, why don't you give us just the details here on this one?
3: Okay. Uh, The title of the episode is Corpus, which means body in Latin. And uh, it can have a couple different meanings. I mean, there's certainly the, as Blaze calls it, the reliquium corpus, um, which other people call mummy, that they find at the end. Then there's also, you know, the memorial for their dad, who they never did find his body, but I feel like that's Mm -hmm. kind of worked into it as well. Um, It was written by Jim Gavin. And directed by Jake Schreier. Awesome. And we'd like
1: to give the musical shout-outs for each episode. And that was Julia Felice, Fire, Water, Earth, and Air. I'm going to return to that in a second. Uh, The Lilies with the Any Several Sundays. And Voice of the Seven Woods uh, with their track, The Fire in My Head. And uh, returning to Julia Felice and her song, Fire, Water, Earth, and Air... Uh, We have another uh, Chris's Tarot moment later in the show, but that is also a reference to the four elements of the minor arcana, fire, water, earth, and air. And of course, if Lodge 49 was able to have gotten its full at least four season runs, that would have been the themes to each of the seasons. And I believe, and Celia, you might be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the first season was water and the second season was fire.
2: First season was water. I forgot what this... Wait, in the end of... Now I'm getting a little confused. But this end of the second season, Doug falls into the earth, right? Was that... I yeah. No. It was like the earth was supposed to be season three then, yeah. Okay. Um,
1: right. Oh, that's that right. That'd like, be the transition into earth when him falling in. All right. So we like to start off with looking at some of the bit... Either some big moments or big themes from this episode. Obviously uh you know this one was the memorial service which was the sort of big central set piece of the episode and uh so i guess that would be one of the the big moments one thing celia i was going to ask you about on that sort of big pivotal scene was had you ever been in a scene that had that many cast members at once in a scene of lodge 49 there's a lot of you in that church
2: you know that like a lot of us don't get to interact, right? So when I was telling you, like I, I like hang out with like uh, Daniel and Akin and everyone, it's because of that scene that we were all at the same church. I'm like, oh my God, you're in the show too. Yes, 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 let's <laughs> hang out, you know? Because they're also like you're in the hotel and people are in and out, and you're like, oh, which show it is. Like, you know, there's a couple of shows going on at that time. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I've seen you. Okay, dinner tonight, dinner tonight, dinner tonight. Like, that's how we all connected was through like episode three. Because one and two is just me, Long, Joe, and um uh and Sam. And that like, you know, the four of us are always in the strip mall. So like that's like the four that we always hang out with, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was uh that was a good one. Like I met the whole cast and basically that 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 scene.
1: Yeah, I definitely noticed that. Celia, what was your sort of big moment or sort of pivotal scene of this episode?
2: know if I have a big pivotal scene in this episode per se. Um, I think it's like the one with my dad.
0: Liz, good to see you. Want some coffee? No, I wanted to let you guys know that I talked to Monsignor Guzman and we're having a memorial for dad on Saturday. It's great news. It'd be good for you guys. Yeah, closure. That's what it's all
2: about. And that's like, kind of like pivot, like, oh, everybody agrees. And now they're, they're finally doing so.
3: Yeah. And he looks so happy. Like, oh, f- that's great. They're going to get closure finally.
2: Mm-hmm. Finally. Yeah. And they can move on.
3: Yeah. You all, one thing I, I always love
1: about the scenes in the, uh in the strip mall is all of you projects. such a sense of like that sort of the family you find type of mentality in all of your scenes in the strip mall, mm-hmm. even Bert you know, and his sort of like, you know, cranky uncle type vibe, but you could always tell the warmth and and obviously in season two, y'all rally around, you know, kicking out the other pool supply company and stuff. But even in those first couple scenes in season one, you totally get this idea that this was the extended Dudley family.
2: Yeah. I, I love that. Like, especially like I, I grew up in New York, um, in Brooklyn when, you know, uh, my parents own a store as well. And there's a sense of community just within that like little small block, you know, now it's different, right? This is like when I was a kid. When I was a kid, anywhere I go, someone would report back to my parents and be like, yo, Celia, I just saw Celia with this guy, you know? Is that her boyfriend? And I'm like, oh my God, that's my friend. Can I just like hang out with people? I'll go out to like a restaurant and they're like, oh, Celia's eating with so-and-so. And one hand is like gossipy. And then the other hand it's like, everyone cares and they got your back, you know, at any given moment if my parents can't find me, someone can't find me. They know where I am. So I feel like the same with that strip mall, you know, mentality. Like we all grew up together. Me being like, uh, Alice being the youngest one, like looks up to everybody at the mall, like looks up at Liz and Dud. And then like the whole time, you know, Paul Paul Ba, who is my dad, uh, played by Long, it's like, I don't want my kid to be like that. I don't want my kid to be like that. And I'm like, Doug serves. I want to serve. Like, Liz goes, so I don't want to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> if they can do it, why can't I?
1: You totally get that vibe. You totally <laughs> throw down the little sister vibe.
3: <laughs> Jim, what was your, uh, what was your sort of a big moment for you in this episode? Uh, I guess for me, it was just the very beginning and the very end, Doug uh, becoming a squire. And then Finding that room at the end, the secret room, and the body, and and everything that goes along with that—those are my big moments.
2: How about that moment when he looked in the reflection of the dirty pool, uh, the pool to see his dad? that kind of, yeah, kind of, kind of is like you know, telling him like, "You, there's more," you know, reminding him his dad's around, even though yeah. he's not physically there.
1: Absolutely, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was that was a nice scene. Yeah, and this and this we see the beginnings of the. Uh, Gloria the Gloria Dud relationships, right? We don't get we get no no official consummation uh or anything at that point, but uh the sparks the sparks are flying. I have such a warm spot for that that relationship. I don't know, like there's such opposites to track, but I don't know. There, there's something special about that relationship. I always felt when I watched the show.
2: I mean, I, I re-watched this since you guys told me to um for this podcast. When the the rat woke up, I was like, ah, I forgot. How- <laughs> Right. <laughs> i am i'm terrified of rodents like i know like we are awful new york city every time i see like a rat in the subway running around the platform I'm just like get out of my way please
1: <laughs> you must stay in a, a perpetual state of freaked out then with the amount of rats in new york
0: oh my
2: god i i try not to stand like too much on the ledge because like i've also seen like rats running in and i take it to a couple of stops and then get off and i'm like do they know where are they going? Like, are they visiting family or something? <laughs>
1: right, right. On the, On the rat super highway. So one of the things that we love to do in the show is, you know, the big moments are sort of obvious, but like looking for little small uh, moments in the episode or our or funny lines. And we'd love to hear Celia some more behind the scenes stuff, but what, what was anything when you rewatched it that sort of jumped out at you just kind of as like a little, like you never noticed it before, or just like a little, a little touch uh, that helped maybe with the world building, or something about a character, anything jump out to you?
2: When Bernie was like Phantom Five, remember? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's a huge hit. Now, like, you know, looking back, you're like, oh wait, that's a huge, huge hint for the later episodes.
3: <laughs> Jim, what about you? What Did anything jump out at you? One thing for me was just noticing some of the faces that Wyatt Russell makes that I think are just like so funny and perfect, and there were two. There was one when that woman who's just finished in Glory's office and is bawling her eyes out and walking away. He's just coming in to work there. Doesn't even know what's going on or what, what the scenario is. And he just kind of looks at that woman and is sort of like, uh, what am I getting myself into? You know, but just with this look, it's just really funny. And, um, and he has another one, when he goes into that uh, Sentinel suite, is that what it's called? With, um, mm-hmm. with Blaze. And he's just like, it smells, bad in here and just like makes this really really funny face oh the other thing was I like the call back to um bay leaf irish moss that candle that keeps coming up in episodes and just like it's like a continuing joke you know um yeah that was those were mine yeah
2: and that's why I think like Jim is such a great writer he he like plans ahead and he has like these little things that will come back and you have to cash them you know
3: hmm
1: what did he tell you about alice you know kind of when you were starting off or like anytime during the show like what little hints or especially since you're an east coast girl and you know kind of playing the west coast equivalent does anything he helped it for you to get into the character
2: well he was i remember the first day when we were at the donut shop i'm like ooh, donuts <laughs>
0: <laughs> and
2: he was like you know like i grew up in long beach And he was like, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Asian owned donut shops, you know, like me growing up in New York City, like the donut shops around me are owned by like, you know, my, my like Italian uncles and aunties, you know, and Irish uncle aunties in the area. And uh, uh, Jim was like, no, donut shops were owned by mostly Asians in the West Coast. And I'm like, what? I didn't, it was something that I didn't know until I watched, there's a documentary called Donut King. And then my mind just exploded. And I was like, oh my God. Wait, Asians own all the donut shops. I did not know that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that all just like clicked after when I watched that documentary, I was like, oh, this is interesting. He told us a lot about, like, you know, um our relationship with doug and and Liz, you know, how like long like a Paul Ba and Alice Bob interacts. So like there's a lot of banter, like, you know, he's kind of he's a single dad and and he wants to have the best for his daughter, but the daughter is trying to be rebellious. And wants to just carefree, like, you know, very, very California thing. We're like, I'm just gonna take my lunch break and go surfing and I'll come right back. I actually noticed that when we were working there in Long Beach during our lunch break, our crew just like took off their clothes and like put on a wetsuit, went to surf and came back. I'm like, oh yeah, I get it now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever try surfing?
2: Yeah, we actually took a surf lesson um, for episode 10 um and then it was kind of scary because when I took the lesson I'm like oh I can manage this this is fine this is easy and then when you're like out in open water I'm like this is kind of scary
1: (laughs) yeah you're right you are out there one thing I noticed is that you know usually duds kind of like the you know half drunk half wasted sort of persona and Liz is the one that's straight laced and buttoned up and of course this is the one where she goes to to Blaze's apothecary and gets, well, it gets a lollipop, right? The, the weed lollipop. Nice. And then, you know, she's sort of high the rest of the episode or a lot of the episode, basically. And Dunn really harshes her mellow. You know, like he like, you know, he, he brings her like way down. Like you would have thought, you know, he'd be able to ride it out with her, but he like slams her back to earth. I was like, oh, there's a funny, there's a funny flip, right? Like, you know, he, he's the guy, you know, that's like, man, why can't you just be chill?
2: That's like, don't you feel like that's a, the brother and sister dynamic though? It doesn't matter where it is. It's like, it turns like I have a brother and like, I'm like the, he would say like, you know, the, the one that's like unpredictable, that's like the artsy one, he has like a nine to five job, you know, he would give me lectures like Celia, you know, calm down. Or like, sometimes he would give me like lectures like Celia, you know, this is like X, Y, and Z. I want like, you know, this is good for you. This is not good for you. This is why I think, you know, his kind of own opinion but then there are days I you know when he's like upset I become the logical mind for him as well. So it switches like it's like a, a sibling thing, right? When like I know that my my brother needs help, I will always be there for them and then I'll calm them down. And I think that goes for Liz and, and Doug, you know. Liz is like, "Now hi," and Doug's like, "Okay, wait, that's not the sister I know. Let me calm her yeah, down. Like, let me so. bring her back down to earth."
3: <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah
1: we were talking earlier with our third co-host Bart and we had all written down this one Ernie quote um, that is so genius when he's like talking to the other I guess he's a plumber right somebody in the, the yeah. plumbing supply chain I think he's more the the actual plumber uh, and you know he's shaking him down for information and they're just kind of gossiping uh, it's like we get a couple scenes over the, the uh, season one of Ernie talking to people out in the field but he says no I'm in the middle of the middle man man <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's a great line and I've just butchered the delivery uh but Brent Jennings just crushes that line and one thing I love about it is that the plumber the guy he's talking to he doesn't really get it he's like you know like he's like not following you dude but you know but I was like oh that was like poetry right there
2: that's so good because like oh uh, like how his life was going in the whole season basically
1: mm-hmm. right uh, no one's hearing him
2: yeah Brett is also such an amazing guy I love him Man, like overall, like now you're just bringing back memories. I'm like, oh, I miss everyone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I know that's sort of, that is sort of sad, but that's, a, that's the collective, right? The people that actually were on the show, miss making the show. And the people that loved watching the show, miss watching the show. There's like a lot of, uh, it's like a void out there to a degree.
2: And I do think like, you know, you guys are amazing. And like, I feel like the fans of the show are amazing. It becomes like kind of like a on Twitter, almost like a family dynamic as well. Everyone is so intrigued and like everyone wants to catch up what everyone's doing. So no, like even within this like big world of life, you know, the show has brought the fans and the cast kind of close together in this little kind of like a strip mall way. You know, everyone kind of knows each other through Twitter.
1: Yeah.
2: It's interesting. It was
1: always there, but I do feel like, and of course, timing wise, doesn't work out great, but I think quarantine and, you know, the COVID era, people were obviously binging things and watching things. So all things kind of got seen a little bit more, but I, do you get the sense that in this time lodge 49 resonated a little bit more with people? Cause it does speak to that idea of community and connection and place. Uh, Cause it's on like every what to watch and quarantine list. And it, it, I think it's definitely, I've seen a spike in popularity uh, over the last year. Have you noticed that?
2: I noticed um, like, you know, when season one came out, but this time, Point, like three years ago, right? Three, four years ago now. When season one first came out, it was like, okay, cool. We have some like diehard fran- uh, fans that would like follow us along, ask us questions, you know. uh And then they kind of follow through for season two. And then during quarantine, I have more and more people go, hey, I love watch 49. I thought it's an amazing show. I'm like, oh, wow. People are taking notice like after the show got canceled.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And they're like, yeah. oh my God, I've gotten like, I was on this panel thing the other night and and this guy we're talking i was like yeah send me you know send me your stuff like i love to connect with you and then on like a personal message he goes oh i kind of geeked out and i didn't want to say anything but i loved watch 49 and like uh, i don't want to be like yo i'm a total geek while we're in the same panel <laughs> <laughs> so that was cool that was uh,
1: funny
2: yeah i mean like bumping like like i you know like I've been on other shows and like other fans are just like, you know, Hey, what up? Like, you know, it's cool, but something about like the lodge fans, there's like a, a degree of warmth that I, I haven't seen in the other shows. It's almost like, like, Oh, you're a fan, but you're almost like, almost like someone that I can see in my neighborhood. And like, there's a, a bit more of like a more intimate connection. I'm not sure if I'm saying this correctly, but on other shows, it's like fans, fans, you know,
3: no, yeah, it's like
1: real community. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely hear what you're saying. I definitely feel that as well. All right, we also like to, you know, this show is for this. This these podcasts are for people that have seen the whole series. So, you know, we don't care about spoiling things. You know, if you want to go back, uh, you know, you catch up and come back or whatever. But we want to we want to look at things throughout the entire series. So, we like to call this section the Secret of the Scrolls. Uh, you know, we sort of like look and you know see what clues that we can do to predict other things. One thing I found in this episode is I think it's it's in the scene where Dud and Gloria are first walking out to her pool when he's going to, you know, kind of diagnose her pool. And it's when he sees his father in the pool reflection.
0: My dad started off digging pools and said that when people put a pool in back in the day, they'd put in a bomb shelter on the sly. (laughs) How cool is that? There's probably bomb shelters all over town. (laughs)
1: Which of course, in season two, we discover that's how Larry Loomis is getting around. We, Scott gets lost in the tunnels. So uh, I just loved how this kind of like just in the moment you just Dud telling an interesting, funny story or just an anecdote, like whether it's about like the the indigenous people that were in the area that no one's seen with you, Alice. I think in episode one, um, and here he's just throwing off another fact, but it turns out to be like this total what's below secret system that we find out more about. So that was the,
3: that was a little clue that I found. Jim, did you have one? Uh, oh yeah. I just, well, <laughs> I intended to do a bunch of research and then didn't really get to it, but, <laughs> but
0: <laughs> there was
3: that book that he's reading um, called uh, Giordano Bruno and the Hermetic Tradition. I, I just did the most cursory um, look up and it's, it's by um Francis Yates, and she was an English historian. And um, just, you know, the quote, when Blaze sees him reading the book, he pulls out this quote, um, what is it? Countless heavens, countless suns. And then Dud repeats that line in his speech, his his not necessarily well-received speech at the memorial.
0: Everything that we think is gone is still here. It's right in front of us. And that's what alchemy teaches us to do. It teaches us to access those hidden worlds. Countless heavens, countless suns, like Bruno said. Until the Pope burned him alive for heresy. That's, you know, I'm not blaming you, Monson, here. Times were different back then. <laughs> so,
3: <I don't> <laughs> um, that was, yeah. I, so I don't know necessarily whether... Um, that guy bruno whether his beliefs or writings uh, come back into the show later i'll have to try to keep an eye out for that but that's
2: why i feel feel like jim is brilliant like he links little things back and like maybe the audience would have forgotten it and then later on you're like wait a second i've heard of that before
0: i've seen (laughs) that
2: before that happened and then they all linked back and you're like
1: (laughs) <laughs> what was there a moment for you like when you got a script or when you were shooting or you know it'd probably be i guess probably into season two or whenever where it clicked in your brain like oh that's why we did this thing in this past episode or when were you like did you find those little like connections when you're like reading scripts or whatever
2: you know what we had like a conversation in uh, in season two like where alice is going where everything's happening and then actually i did not get the uh the the, the elements of it like that strongly like oh that and then when he told me and I was like oh, wait everything kind of just aligned and I was like oh wait yeah you're right it was all about you know season one the beginning of it like like you know we see that Doug got bitten by a snake the end of it he bit, got bitten by a shark and then <laughs> opening of season one like that fight then he gets run over by a car like it was like you saved him in the first scene in the, in the end of the first season and beginning of season two he saved you and pushes you out of you know car running and i was like oh he's like everything runs like kind of parallel like you know like how much like you know doug cares about alice as well so i thought that I was like oh that's really cool yeah yeah, that is so to- i don't
1: think i that is a great insight that you know you you it's sort of like you as these uh strip mall siblings you both saved each other you know they're sort of like give and take you know, mm-hmm. kind of balance of the universe type thing. That That is super fascinating. And that is a great scene in season two when he pushes you out of the way. Is that where he goes underneath the car? When he ducks underneath the car?
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was, I, uh, I flew in. I think that day I flew in from Canada because I was shooting my other show. And then I was like, time, like, you know, the time difference and like the jet lag was all getting to me. And I was like, what are we doing? And they're like, he's getting run over by a car today. I was like, oh, oh. Oh, (laughs) and then they're like setting up the car, trying to measure everything to make sure everybody's safe. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's, let's do this. (laughs) So
1: uh, we'll take a little bit of a, a a little bit of a a side path here. Celia, how did you go from, uh, what was your path to acting from growing up in uh, Brooklyn to, to doing TV and movies?
2: My path to acting. Okay. Um, I grew up in like Sunset Park area in Brooklyn. If you guys know where like the, now Chinatown is, yep. when I was yeah. a kid, it was like two Chinese restaurants. But my parents owned a video store in uh, in the area. So growing up, I've watched a lot of films. Um, like, you know, my favorite films are probably things that you guys will laugh about as a kid. Like, I love The Gremlins, I love Big, I love, you know, what else, uh, Teenage uh, Ninja Turtle, the one, two, and three, I've watched it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I've watched Casper over and over again. You know that that was like you know my introductions to film, but my parents were like, no film business for you. You know, like I never even thought that you can make a living as an actor. Never came across my head. Like my parents like you know study business, study law, study you know um, med and become like a doctor. That's like our dream, like, every Asian parents' dream. Like even like like uh, my my ba in the show right, Paul's dream is like go study, be someone. You know. <laughs> Uh, so I actually studied law for a long time. And then I wasn't getting a special track in my junior high school. Do you guys know where Krista McAuliffe is? Um, Yeah, I went to Krista McAuliffe. So, um, I was like in this, in the Globals Academy studying law and business. So I was like either law and business. I like both of this subject. And then in high school, I was in a track for law and I actually got invited to study, um, in the white house and like to learn about law. And then my last minute, my mom's like, you're not going, you know, it's like, I can't see you. I don't like, you're too young. You're not going to travel alone. I'm like, okay. Um, Then I switched to advertising and marketing. So in college, I was studying advertising and marketing and I discovered acting. My first year of college, I was like, oh, this is interesting. I think I was 16. Yeah, I was, a, I was a head in school as well. So like I was 16, I'm like, oh, I want to be an actor. What does an actor do? And my professor was like, well, I know, I wouldn't be teaching here. So I was like, <laughs> what the heck? And then I went like and searched for a bunch of stuff, like how to become an actor, like Google. <laughs> and then I saw that, like, you know, they were like this casting call looking for um, background actors. At that point, I have no idea what background acting meant at all. And I was like, I just saw acting. I'm like, cool, applied. And then they're like, send us a headshot. I'm like, cool, high school graduation picture, sent. And I was like, it's a shot of my head, headshot. Then I got the job, not knowing what it was. Showed up, it was like big set. I had no idea what show it was as well. And then like, it was like maybe a hundred, 200 people filling up like a movie theater scene and sitting there for maybe 18 hours. I was like, this is so boring, like, <laughs> I don't wanna do this. This is what acting is like, this sucks. And just so happened in that scene that we're shooting, there was an Asian guy who was a principal, like an Asian actor. And he was walking up and I was like, dude, this sucks. You're probably the only Asian on the show and you're getting picked on. Act this shit. And then he goes, hi, my name is John. I was like, hi. And he goes, what's your name? I'm like, Celia. He was like, do you want to act? I'm like, no, this sucks. And I was like, "If this <laughs> is what acting is. I was like, I did nothing all day. Waste my time. Could have just gone to school. I, kinda, I cut class for it. And then... I was like, well, what you're doing is called background acting. You're literally part of a background. You're just like filling in these empty seats. He's like, what I'm doing, he was like, I'm um, a, a principal actor on the show. And then he described to me what a principal actor is. He goes, do you want to act? Do you still want to consider acting? I'm like, mm, I don't know. And he goes, how about this? Um, I'll come meet you for lunch uh, tomorrow at school. Because I told him that I was like in school and it was near the same neighborhood that we were shooting in. And he goes... I can just, I can show you what this business about and I can describe it to you. And I was like, cool. So we had lunch and he was like, basically being like a mentor and telling me, he's like, you know, I, there's not a lot of Asians in this industry. So I try to like, you know um, we need to rise together. You know, I'm trying to help one another and make sure, you know, we get somewhere. So he is actually the first person to introduce me to my first manager ever. And uh, I remember when I met my first manager, she was like, okay, you have no idea what this business is. And I'm like, Nope. And she was like, "Okay, uh, something about you just seems a bit intriguing. I'm not gonna promise anything, but we can start working. Uh, well, I'll send you to some acting classes. These are classes that you need to take. You need to learn how to read sides. You need to learn what these like, you know, terminology in the business are. You need to get headshots. I'm like, but this is a shot of my head. And she was like, a high school graduation picture is not a headshot. And I'm like, okay." <laughs> <laughs> um so from there on like you know I was lucky enough the first audition she sent me on was like a music video audition and I booked it and then I think um that she was like oh okay and then I went to like second and third one I completely failed I have no idea what I was doing went out for like I think in the beginning I went out for some like really big films which I had no clue about and I was like oh this is uh this is what auditioning is like got it completely like flunking all the auditions. And then from there, you know, um, my manager introduced me to like a commercial modeling agency. So I did like a bunch of print ads and then my manager retired. I went on to someone else. And then from there, I got into like film and TV stuff, like the little smaller parts and some, um, like indie films. And then I think my first film ever was called Beware of the Gonzo. And I don't have any lines. It was Jesse McCartney, Zoe Kravitz, Ezra Miller. Um, and I play like this punk kid at school, the gender benders. Um, <laughs> and then my second film I did was called Detachment with Adrian Brody. And that's when I had my lines. I had like a scene with James Caan and right. he was telling me the history of like acting. Like he was like, you know what we used to do in The Godfather. I'm just looking at him. I'm like, yes, sir. Cool, sir. He was like, you should do this and this, honey. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, like, in that movie, like, I met, like, you know, Adrian Brody, who was super nice. James Caan, super nice. Um, Blythe Danner was there. Uh, Marsha Gay Harden, and uh, Christina Hendricks. So I was like, oh, cool. It was like each adult has to deal with each, like, one troubled kid. And I was the one that James Caan had to deal with. So that was fun. And then that, like, went to my first premiere because of that. And then I think a year later or so, I did, like, you know, smaller parts in some TV shows then I booked my first um, supporting lead in a film called Revenge of the Green Dragons that Martin Scorsese executive produced. So I played like this Chinese gangster girl. Um, and then after Green Dragons, I booked a little bit more like smaller parts of TV. Then I did a part for Iron Fist. And then I did a couple other indie films and I got lost pretty the night. All
1: right. Pretty uh, magical path there. Yeah.
2: I, 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 knock on wood, it's, I mean, it's been like, Ooh, I, I, I felt like I've met some really good people along the way who like everyone that I've met, it was like, here, let me help you. Like, let me, you know, I, I can be your mentor. Let me a- ask me any questions. What can, you know, you're new. Sure. I'll teach you. And I was like, that's why I thought like I'm fortunate enough to meet a lot of really nice and cool people. Mm-hmm. And every set I've been on, I don't think I've been on a set where there's like people that are not supportive. Like, you know how I, I was telling you Lodge 49 is very much like a family um, a lot of my sets are like that. Like uh, when I did Revenge of the Green Dragons, the director, the producers, the cast, till now we're still really good friends. Justin Chong, for example, he was the lead in uh, Green Dragons. And and I was going in for a different audition. He's like, let me help you with lines. Let me teach you, you know, let me like coach you. And I was like, oh, this is awesome because I have no idea what I'm doing sometimes. But uh, yeah, so since then, I've been like taking different acting classes, booking different shows. And then after Lodge 49 season one, I booked my first series regular for Woo Assassins on Netflix. And then 2020 happened and I'm just stuck at home all year. <laughs> well, hopefully
1: that'll end soon enough. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> the end is maybe in sight, maybe possibly. <laughs> One thing we like to do is that we've noticed that Jim Gavin and and especially the set, they were always sneaking tarot card imagery into the set, usually at the lodge, but in different places. So I actually missed this one. Jim, what, what's, what's the one we saw this week? And then I can read the description.
3: Okay. Um, yeah, when Dud is sitting in the tavern in the lodge, uh, when he's reading that book and he's in there with Blaze, we see behind him a stained glass window that's the image of the Hanged Man. The Hanged Man, which is uh, card seven
1: of the Major Arcana. Uh, and the hangman. which if you think about this episode with the memorial service and and some other things really starts to fit. The hangman symbolizes sacrifice and letting go. Many people talk about the art of letting go, but what does it really mean? How do you achieve it? The hangman has all the answers. He's the master of non-attachment. This card implies there's a sacrifice or a difficult or painful situation coming up in your life. Though you naturally want to resist and struggle through it, be more like the hangman. Find stillness, open your eyes, and use this new perspective to learn something. You're stuck either way. So that was the tarot imagery in this episode. You know, we definitely get Dud becoming unstuck and we definitely have Liz and Dud sort of at least acknowledging something about the, the death of their father in the episode. And trying to let go. Trying to let go. That's right. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah. That's, that's awesome. Like that tarot card basically wraps up like the episode in a sense. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, it does, right? one the 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 tarot card that was in the very first episode was the fool uh, which is about the beginning of journey so as we find we find these there's definitely little episodic clues from the tarot card imagery within so thanks jim cuz i missed i missed that and i've been i'm looking for it and i missed that one so thanks for finding that one yep
2: how many um, times have you guys watched the show
1: i think <laughs> i'm on my third or fourth time i think on these episodes a good amount yeah, and i same. still you still find stuff though that's awesome did you watch it Celia, while it was coming out, like, did you watch it every week to week?
2: I try to watch it week to week. And then in the middle of it, I think I watched the first two episodes at home. And then I was in Canada. Um, I was shooting another show in Canada. So then I was like posting about it. It seemed like reading what people were saying about it. Because uh, I, I did at that time. Yeah, I couldn't get access to the show. And then I came back and then I watched it. And by the time I came back, we we're starting season two. So I was trying to catch up. I was like, What's that? <laughs> Before we go on to Alchemist of the Week, I'll say
1: we ask you one question. If there had been a season three, what would you have liked to see Alice's story arc?
2: Ooh. if there was a season three, I, I want to see what Alice is going to do with um with her life and her dad, basically. Is she gonna take over the donut shop? How is she gonna be more or uh, of an influence in like Dud and Liz's life? Because um, Liz and, and Alice are really close as well. Like she looks up to her all the time, and now they're kind of getting their life a little bit on track. Is Alice gonna pick up her slack and and you know try to try to do the quote unquote right thing, and and like not mess around as much, or she ends up being a pro surfer? <laughs> I do.
0: Like I like
2: <laughs> that, That's a legitimate career.
1: Yeah. Um, there are many scenes where they kind of shot you from a little bit behind, where you're kind of looking out the front door window of the donut shop, like, you know, kind of looking wistfully into the, you know, what, like, if you could escape those sort of glass walls. I noticed that uh, watching these some of these first episodes, I'm like, they always catch you just a little bit, like, daydreaming out the window.
2: Yeah, I think... um I mean, donut shop is my dad's passion, but what about Alice's passion? She's working there because it's obligation as, you know, the daughter to take care of the store.
3: Now, wait, did you get to eat d- the donuts? Were they real? Were they-
2: <laughs> so I'll tell you, they are real. The ones on the top are real. The ones <laughs> on the bottom are fake.
3: Okay.
2: So uh, there are definitely times, like, you know, when Doug's is like taking a bite out of donut, or whatever, I'll refill their donut constantly and we're like donut donut and then like (laughs) like just go back in there let's just take a donut
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right so let's move on to our alchemist of the week and this is the character that you know kind of sparked a change or made that alchemical uh transition or in some way kind of won the week uh we'll give Celia, time to to collect her thoughts and get her answers. So, Jim, do you want to start us off?
3: Ah, uh, sure. I had a bunch of different contenders. Um, in the end, I'm gonna go with Liz hmm. because she got that money. She 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 turned her dad's memorial into a money making opportunity, and just was so focused on that. And like, I th- I think I I think I read the scene a little bit differently this time where. She's struggling with the the Monsignor, and is like, "Give me that."
0: Oh, I, I can take that. It's fine, Liz. I'll deposit it and send the check. No, I I'd rather do it myself. For our records. Just what give me the money. It? I'll do it. Because
3: I think in the past I I thought he was like, "Oh, I'm really gonna make this donation," and and he was sort of like not trusting her motive, maybe, but I, but. The way I read it this time was like, oh, he also is going to, like, maybe steal some of the money off the top. Sort of I, like, thought,
2: uh, <laughs> I thought he was going to, like, be like, oh, great, the donations for the church. And she's like, oh, hell no, give it to me. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah,
3: that
1: was mine. That Monsignor is definitely done with the Dudley twins by the end of that day, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> He's like, get out. <laughs> um. All right, Celia, who was your alchemist of the week?
2: I think Gloria. I mean, she's kind of like the obvious choice, right? She came in and, and well, I know how the show goes. So I'm like, well, then, then, you know, something happens.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love that, like, you know, those scenes where she's kind of luring him in. He's like, hey, um.
3: The water in my pool is green.
0: Sorry, what?
2: Sorry, the the resume temp Joy sent over said, you worked on pools. No. Do you have any recommendations?
0: Uh, It's algae bloom. You got a water circulation problem. You gotta check the filters.
2: Filters, thank you. I love that shot when they're like, just kind of sitting across first, you know, she's like kind of facing away from him. And then now they're like looking at each other, but further apart. And then, kind of luring him into like her home. I'm like, Don, Don, can you work this weekend, Don, Don? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that's that's true. Uh, I had a, a similar one. It's a little bit different though, but it does include Gloria. I'm gonna say that the sorry in advance, Celia, that the rat is the <laughs> alchemist of I the knew week. It
2: i going to say that
1: <laughs> cuz one he he somehow goes from dead to alive so or whatever in deep uh, mm-hmm. chlorine shock or whatever he was in in the pool drain uh and that that moment sort of sparks that's kind of like that last catalytic energy you know the sexual energy between Gloria and Dud you know it's where everything kind of you know they needed the the, the jolt of the rat to realize that they were, you know, or at least for Dud to realize uh, that he was, uh, you know, being drawn in to Gloria's whims.
2: I mean, in the beginning of the episode, he was masturbating. And then at the end of the episode, he was like, hmm. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Finally <did> right. Me. <laughs> right. So she transferred him to
1: Solo to do to uh, a, 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 duo, a a duo there. That's right. <laughs> That's hysterical. Yeah, there there was so many good ones. I the one line I just didn't get a chance to say that I loved was when Gil was walking out after getting fired at Orbis.
0: What are you doing here? Temp job. Uh, smart. Temps are the only ones with job security. <laughs>
2: that
1: was yeah. a great. That was a great <laughs> line. Um, did any line strike you, Celia? Like, did, what did you find yourself laughing out loud at all?
2: you know what it's like for me when I'm watching a show that I'm in sometimes I laugh out loud at random things because I know what was happening behind the scenes and like how people were prepping for it or things that were happening so like that makes me laugh out loud but then like watching the show I'm like so focused to see I'm like oh my god I wonder how the scene came out like you know what what happened there that like I'm I feel like sometimes when you're in it, it's it's so hard to judge because you're like looking, nitpicking for like the little stuff all over. So uh, yeah, that's like it's hard. I I don't like watching. Like I always watch it with a different perspective. Things that I'm in.
1: All right. Well, uh, one. Thank you so much. This has been I actually have been so fun, and I have a cut one more question before we exit. But I want you to let let the, uh, our listeners know where can they find you? Where are you most active on social media? What, you know, the, you know, the lodge, the extended lodge loves to support the actors and the creative people on the show and their next steps. So where should we be looking? F- What's the next thing we should look for you on
2: next thing. Um, well, like I was saying earlier, I'm on a show. I mean, I'm on a movie that's called um, shoplifters of the world. That's coming out. I want to say March 26th. Let me double check this. Give me one quick second. And right now I'm trying to make my own stuff as well. So we'll see where that goes. But Shoplifter comes out on the 26th, I was right.
1: And where can we find it? What's streaming service or how do we watch
2: it? It's going to be in theaters, uh, VOD, and on demand as of now.
1: Okay. Are you a shoplifter in it?
2: You have to watch and see. I actually am curious. If anyone can actually tell that that's me in it, because I have a friend, um, another director friend went to a test screening and she was like, I was watching this movie. I was like, oh, this girl's cool. And then she was like in the end credits when they were like, she's like, wait, wait, that's Celia. (laughs) (laughs) And this is someone that knows me personally in real life. (laughs) Couldn't tell that was me. And I was like, huh, I didn't think I looked that different. But now I'm curious what other people would think.
1: All right. Um, Also, one final question because food has been a huge theme. What are your dinner plans tonight?
2: Oh my God. I'm actually not even home. I'm quarantining away from my family because I just did a a short film with my friends. So I'm staying in my friend's apartment by myself. So I have either tortilla rolls or I have dumplings. So I'm going to be super lazy. Anything that goes in a microwave would probably be the best bet for me right now
1: all right so even though i love to cook night. okay
2: wait let me take this back guys i i don't <laughs> always do microwavable food i love to cook a lot um, <laughs> i like if you if you're on my instagram page you'll see all the like the the, the the meals i've been cooking throughout quarantine but uh yeah when you're alone and like you're not really cooking for someone i'm just like eh, it'd be easy
1: awesome and where can they find your uh cooking pics what's your instagram account
2: it's the same as my Twitter account. Just, it's Celia Al.
1: Nice. All right. Well, go follow her food diaries there. And we just want to say a deep thank you. We really appreciate you taking the time out to talk to us today.
2: Oh, no Thanks. problem. Thank you for, uh, for having me. It's, it's really nice to connect to people. Like I'm, you know, stuck at home most of the time. Now I was like, I see two new people. You guys are from Brooklyn. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And when the world comes back online, and yeah, we can do chicken.
1: things. We'll have you over to Sidecar for fried chicken. Yes, yeah. can't
2: wait, can't wait.
0: Oh all man, right.
2: I go can't ahead. wait to go out and eat again. Ugh. Yeah, That's like one big thing that I used to do. Like I would like look for a new restaurant and a restaurant hop throughout the night with friends. And now I'm like, Zoom hop? We need a Zoom hop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> doesn't taste as good.
2: Yeah, it doesn't taste <laughs> as good, not at all. We've tried like order dinners and like try to eat on Zoom, it's not the same.
1: (laughs) uh, uh, Human is not meant to live exclusively on Zoom. That's what we have all found (laughs) out. (laughs) All right, well, thank you, Celia.
2: Thank you, thank you for having me. Have a good night, guys.